Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. What is up, everybody? How are we doing today? You guys are going to love today's show. Thank you for being here. University of Adversity loves you. We appreciate you. And if you're new to the show, welcome. If you're coming back, you're a loyal listener. Thank you. Again, I appreciate you. Today's guest is known as the content queen. She is absolutely dominating a platform called LinkedIn. If any of you guys don't know, pause this, go check out LinkedIn. It used to be kind of like this business platform where you post articles and post job opportunities and all that, but it's evolved into this thing now, which is almost like a modern day. It's like a Facebook mixed with business and personal life. And it allows you to sort of, sort of shine through and be who you are. So in the past, it was kind of like, you got to be like this on, on, on LinkedIn. You got to be this professional looking person. And it was always like this weird game with like one social media platforms like this ones like that. It's still like that, but LinkedIn ties it all together and kind of shows the more human side of business, which is really cool. So my next guest is really mastered the art of creating videos that allow that to shine, allow you to be vulnerable and kind of show the real side of you that in turn makes people want to work with you. So she helps businesses, CEOs, companies create videos, create content so that they can get discovered and eventually grow their business. That's the whole point, right? We want to grow our business. Same time, you want to be putting out content. And right now, LinkedIn's algorithm and all that, basically the, the, the way that the system works is that it's the best place to be right now for um, organic reach. So it's kind of like where Facebook was a few years ago. Now there's a lot more paid ads and stuff. This will eventually happen for um, LinkedIn and it has happened in Instagram. There's not as much organic reach, not as many people see your posts and you got to pay play, but LinkedIn is still really good. So she's tapped into this and she's doing amazing things. Now we didn't get too much into like her actual talking about her strategies in LinkedIn. We left that till the end because she talks about that all the time. You can find all that stuff out in her videos. You can find out all the stuff about what makes a good video and all that. I do touch on that, like I said, but we got into more of the story. She's a really awesome human being. And we, again, as always, the story, I didn't expect to get into certain things that we did, which I'm grateful we did. And it really made for an awesome conversation. We got into the whole like spiritual side of things, the growth side of things, challenges, and a really cool um, story about her and what she's done to the real thing that changed her life. So the real big thing that really had the shift for her. So I urge you guys to listen to this right to the end. It's an amazing conversation. Again, we ran out of time. She had to go. I was, you know, I, I wanted to keep going, but like, I have to respect people's time. She had time. like, we could have probably talked for another three hours. So um, anyways, it was an awesome conversation. We, we, we talked about a lot of things and we covered a lot of things. And then eventually um, we talked about her business and what she's doing, where to check her out. So I urge you guys to um, listen to this to the end. If you haven't already, go subscribe, leave a review. This means a lot, you guys. Anybody out there, if you haven't done that, I appreciate it. Share it with your friends. Let people know about this show, University of Adversity. It's helping people change their perspective on adversity, you guys. Like understanding it's your greatest ally, it's not your enemy. Your adversity is your friend. And I'm here to help share these stories for you guys and help inspire people to do amazing things in their lives. So that's it. We're going to get right into this interview. This was a great conversation and I hope you guys enjoy it. Shay Robottom coming right up. Shay, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Lance. Super pumped to have you here. Um, You're pretty much everywhere these days and I know you're super busy and I really appreciate you taking the time to come hang out with us and share your story because behind everybody who's doing amazing things, there's always a backstory that goes a little bit deeper and we get to learn a lot more about you. So I'm really excited. So again, thank you very much. And 
Before we get into everything that you're working on now, all this amazing stuff, these, these amazing videos, LinkedIn, take us, for people that don't know you, maybe take us back a little bit, tell us a bit about your story, and maybe just fill in the gaps of kind of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Lance. This is awesome. So um, definitely, I come from a, uh, a lot of adversity. <laughs> love, the name, love the name of the podcast. It's Thank you. definitely made me who I am. Um, I think it wasn't until you know, later in my life that I really realized how uh, bad my childhood really was and how toxic of a home I really grew up in. Um, because I started to realize in my adult life that I, I had just really um, unnatural tendencies, you know, depression, anxiety, these are all, they're common today, but they're not natural. You know, it's not a human being's natural state to be there. It's in, it's a very low vibration. So on my quest to be an entrepreneur, um, and I did have success pretty much right away when I founded my first business at 23, but in the process, I found that I had a lot of work to do on myself. I had a lot of insecurities, um, a lot of like imposter syndrome, who doesn't in the business yeah. world, but you know, just, just a, a, a crippling amount where it actually affected my day to day and I could see it affecting my productivity and my work. Um, so simultaneously as I, you know, broke into the world of entrepreneurship and I'm very unorthodox, you know, I dropped out of school. I didn't know anything. I taught myself video marketing. I taught myself business, but it was kind of twofold because in the process of becoming a little more financially independent and becoming an entrepreneur, I also got to find my true self. I also got to realize, okay, you know, why are you unhappy all the time? And a lot of times success can do that for us because we have these expectations like, well, once I become an entrepreneur, once I'm making X amount of money a month, once I have this title, this stature, this clout, I'll be happy. My, like all of my insecurities will go away. Things will just fall into place. And it doesn't happen like that, right? It's the age old saying like money can't buy you happiness. I was there. I, I, I reached that moment in my life and realized, you know, there's something more going on. So I started to get a lot more into mental health and childhood development, looking at my background, where I grew up, you know, why, why do I have this today? Where, where did I pick this up? Where's this negative programming coming from? And I went on LinkedIn it, originally with the intention of getting leads and I, and I still do, and that's what I've done. And that's what I help other business owners do. However, I also opened up a lot about my mental health struggle. And I think because I did that, I actually amplified my company mission because so many people became attracted to me because I was basically a businesswoman, business owner talking about living with depression and being in business with depression and having lots of doubts. And a lot of people, especially on LinkedIn in the professional world where it's, you know, suit and tie and stuffy, they don't want to do that. They don't want to get vulnerable. They don't want to admit anything. And I think it caused people to be a little more drawn to me than is typical just because it made, it reminded people that they're human and these same emotions that you feel, I feel the only difference is I'm actually using my platform on social media to talk about it and to shed light on the negative. So as I, as I touched on, you know, it's been absolutely transformational for my business. It's a huge lead stream. Now I get tons of leads through my video content. I do share free video marketing tips, um, on the page, but as I said, I touch a lot on the human side of things and mental health, and that's really helped to propel my brand forward as well. Yeah. That's super interesting because I think a lot of us we all got shit going on in our heads, right? People like mm -hmm. to pretend or per portray this perfect image, but we've all been programmed to go through this, this, this cycle and part of the system. And we all have these different things and people try to hide them. But when they get brought to the surface, it makes it a lot easier for people to relate. So, I mean, you know, you have, this is the thing that interests me is that for so long, LinkedIn was kind of like this, this like business and then there this business yes. platform, right? And then there was like, you know, Instagram, Facebook. But what I find interesting is how, how you just said, how you've been able to tie that sort of like that real human aspect that like, hey, we don't have to be a different human just because we're in business. We, we need to be able to have more of that. Like, this is, this is what we, like, there's more yeah. to this than just going and like putting a suit on and being in business. There's like right. so much happening right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's long overdue, honestly, this yeah. sort of like merge of the personal and the professional world, because 
people were afraid to open up. You know, they're just kind of stuck in this old school mentality where it's like work is work and home is home. Don't blend the two, you know, be, um, don't be your true self at work really is kind of what it's become. But because of the way technology has changed the work environment, I mean, we're in a total gig economy. Everyone's working from home. Everyone, there's a lot more entrepreneurs. There's a lot more people that care more about the work they're actually doing and what they're contributing to than the actual paycheck they're getting. So there's a lot more of working with intention and being, uh, having your career be an extension of who you are. We didn't really used to see that so much, you know, 50, 60 years ago. It's like, it's, it's relatively new. And I think we're just now catching up to this, um, idea that it's safe to be vulnerable in the business world. Yeah, and it's actually, I, it helps. <laughs> it, it helps too, because I have this conversation so many times and it's so important because it helps every time you tell your story, you heal a little bit more. No, that's true too. Yeah. And like, it's almost like a, that's why with even podcasting, I've noticed, like, I didn't mean it to happen, but like, it's almost like a selfish way for me to heal. I've gone through a lot of shit in my wow, life. Wow. That's cool. And like every con- Yeah. From just doing this show. Oh, wow. Just okay. from talking to people and like, you know, just first of all, hearing their stories and realizing how similar and how human people are. These successful people from all walks of life, athletes, business people, spiritual people, we're all so similar. We're all just, we all have a story. And when you can share that with the world, that just really opens up this, these doors for other people to share because, yes. you know, we were taught to just hold things in. That's, that's what being strong is. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't yeah. tell anybody about that. That's, you right. know, and, and, and I feel the more that we can share that and, and show the real human that we are, the more people are like, Hey, that, they're just like me. I like that right. person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's what you just said, you know, people are ultimately going to do business with people, not yeah. businesses. So for, I always say for every person who's maybe turned off by me being a little too personal on a professional platform, there's 20 more people knocking at my door saying, wow, I'd really like to see how we can work with this woman. Um, and as you said, you know, I'll get an inbox full of people all the time kind of just saying what you just said about like the permission thing. It's like, I gave them permission to talk about it and I'll get messages all the time. Like, you know, I never told anyone about my depression or, you know, I'm depressed, I, but your content inspired me to talk about it. And it's like, Oh wow. You know, people really need that permission, that leader, really someone to kind of open the door and and get it started. Like, you know, Hey, let's talk about this. And I think that's been really healing for me. Just like you said, your show is healing for you. It's been validating for me to open up. And I was scared in the beginning. I was kind of like taking a risk. Like, is this going to frame me in a really negative light? You know, or my business partners were concerned. It was like, it totally did the opposite. It totally made me validated. And Shay, you're not the only person who feels these things and goes through this. And people are like starving to talk about it. And so when you do that, you're a breath of fresh air. It's so true. I want to circle back a little bit and talk about your, like before you got into the marketing, you're doing American Idol. Uh Uh, This this is interesting stuff because I like to know about that and and, and kind of that little bit of that journey, because that's, that's interesting. A lot of people don't get that, right? And how different are you now? This is the thing is the contrast. (laughs) Like if you had, if we go back there and if you had applied some of the stuff that you've done now, then how different (laughs) would it be? And walk us through a little bit of that process because this is, this is really interesting stuff. Well, I would have, I would have made it. I mean, if I, if I, when, when I was on American Idol and when I was, you know, doing the musician thing back then, I had no business knowledge. I didn't even truly have much street smarts. I was very sheltered girl. You know, I did, I grew up in Milwaukee, but Milwaukee's very segregated. The area I grew up in is, was very white, very suburban. Um, my parents were very strict, you know, like no rap music. No, we didn't even have cable. Like I was barely allowed to go on the internet. Um, so, you know, I always wanted to be famous ever since I was a little girl. I always wanted to be an actress, a singer, an entertainer. Um, that was also something I was unaware of until later in life. You know, I understand now why I wanted to do that because there was a a huge, uh, amount of neglect in the house I grew up in. 
So I essentially kind of became an expert at getting attention from a really young age. I mean, I was always putting on plays. I was always dressing up, coming up with different, this is my whole life. When I was little, I'd come up with skits. I'd come up with all the time. Um, but I was very naive. Like I said, you know, I was very sheltered. I didn't know anything. And then on top of that, I had no support. Like my family didn't like me doing the music thing. They didn't want me to be an entertainer. Um, just, you know, I have, uh, four sisters that we just never really got along. They didn't really support me. And then my parents also didn't really get it. You know, they wanted me to go to college. They wanted me to do all the things that made them look good. Right. Mm. So I was really on my own and it's actually amazing. I got as far as I did. Like I'm a completely different person now in terms of business sense, marketing. I'm very savvy, but back then I didn't know what I was doing. I got involved in a lot of bad relationships, a lot of, I mean, the music industry is tough enough as it is. So going into it as a young, naive girl, I definitely got eaten alive. I mean, got involved with a lot of bad producers, got a lot of uh, slimy deals. I never signed. I never got like, thankfully, I never like signed or anything. I did get on American Idol, but I got cut after the first round. So, you know, it's an up and down life, that artist's life. I was, you know, feeling like I was always close to my big break, but not quite there. And and I was doing that for years. I would say I really dove into the music, took it seriously and started to pursue it when I was 20. I really quit for good, like right after I turned 23. Mm. So I'd say for three solid years, I was doing it. I was performing locally. I was trying to grow on social media. Like I said, I knew nothing. So I, I, I really, I, I could not propel myself forward. Um, and on top of all that, I'm really not the best singer naturally you know that's why i rapped because rapping was easier for me it was just better to easier to have better quality sounding music that way um so i actually met luke my who's currently my business partner i met him because he was shooting music videos in the milwaukee area at the time and i was looking for someone to shoot a music video for me and that's when a lot of this changed i mean i i met him um, he was an entrepreneur. He did have this video business. Not, not like he was like killing it back then or anything crazy, but just that he was making his own money. He was a little further ahead than me. I was kind of impressed with him. I was like, okay, like maybe I should get into this video thing. You know, music, I was waitressing, like music is hard to make money. Um, so he hired me and he taught me a lot of what I know today about video and editing. And shortly after we teamed up, you know, I decided to put music on the back burner because we had gotten an opportunity after I started working for him, he had gotten an opportunity to edit uh, Facebook content, video content for large blogs on Facebook. And that's when, I, that's when everything changed. That's when my entire life changed. It was kind of like I was put at a crossroads and I'll never forget it. It was like one of the hardest decisions in my life. I loved music. I felt like I was giving up on my dream. I felt like I was selling out, but I knew I had to be pragmatic. I knew I wasn't going anywhere. It's like, come on, Shay, you want to be logical mm-hmm. or what? Like there's clearly money. And I knew these blog owners were killing it in passive income. I was like, dude, I'm waitressing. I'm not happy. Like something's got to give. So I decided to quit music and partner up with Luke. And we ended up working for like pretty much all of the biggest pages on Facebook. We learned so much from them. Our client, I mean, I should have paid them, you know, I made good money doing it, but honestly it was like better than any college degree I could have paid for. These blog owners taught me everything about how to get attention online, uh, how to edit videos for social, how to monetize when you do have a following. I mean, I was really put in a very unique, specific position at a young age that um, a lot of people don't have that advantage. You know, they don't teach this in college yet, even, even marketing and advertising majors, you know, they just don't teach the viral video thing. It's mm-hmm. something you got to learn by doing. and right place at the right time. You know, Luke and I ended up there together and just learned it together. Wow. See, this is, this is what I find really interesting is that, okay, there's that fine line between when do you know when it's time to pivot or when Mm. do you keep going? Because this is the thing. And it's like, I've asked people this before, you know, because some of it's coming from your ego. Some of it's coming from your soul. Like, what do you do? What's the smartest? When is it time to go? Okay. What's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Is this just a hurdle yeah. to get over? Yeah. Or, or like, is it smarter to just kind of, hey, take what I've learned. I'm good at this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then like pivot. That's what I find fascinating because yeah. some people don't know that. They don't right. know that intuition that I like, think, when's it time? Yeah, I think it has to do with removing the discomfort 
to mm -hmm. really be able to look at it logically. Like if you're in that, if you're in that space, that situation you just spelled out, ask yourself, like, if I just remove the uncomfortable feelings on either side of, of thinking about going this direction or this direction, just remove any discomfort. And I found that allows me to look at it more logically. Like, okay, if I wasn't uncomfortable or scared here, what would actually be the more pragmatic route? Because that is really where the ego comes in. The ego lies to us and tells us like, no, it's, I'm giving up on my dream. It's like, no, it's not, it's not about that, Shay. It's, it's, it makes more sense logically for you to learn this video thing. There's money in video. You're not going anywhere in music. Look at the past three years, you know, doing the same thing over and over is insanity. But it was so uncomfortable for me to quit music and to yeah. go into video. It's hard to learn a new trade. And like I said, I had gotten really used to, not that I was killing it or anything, but I had gotten used to like my routine. I'm, I had these little yeah. clubs I performed at. I had my, like, you know, it was a really big discomfort. Well, you're, that's your identity, right? And we, we all, oh, we get yeah. in these, that's what we do. We create these personas for ourselves. So we do all these things that align with that identity. And when you switch, then all of a sudden you have to, you're doing all these things that don't align and it's uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, so much. Because so your brain gets addicted to those, those it's almost like yeah. a, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this. Yes. Like these like chemical cocktails that your brain makes, yeah. right? So you're actually addicted to that thing and doing those things. So it becomes oh, yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's why it's, it, it's so hard and people go back. People, yeah. don't, people don't pursue the new thing because they're like, oh, well, it's too hard. I'm just going to go yeah. back to what I was doing. And, and it is, but you have to be realistic of, about what your strengths are. Like for me at that time in my life, I knew I needed some business skill. Like it was like, I knew like, okay, it's time. Like I, I was too far um, on the artistic side of things. I was too much in my feelings. I wasn't thinking like a business person. I wasn't analytical. I didn't understand marketing or like just following what works. I was way too artistic. And that's why a lot of artists never make it. They're too, they're, they don't look at things pragmatically. So I, I knew that if I could develop a little bit more of, um, that business sense and a lot of what Luke had truthfully that mm -hmm. I would become a way more well-rounded individual. And if you look at who I'm the person I'm becoming today, it's really a perfect fusion. I mean, yeah, I'm not like rapping and singing necessarily, but like I'm able to actually um, get the attention that I always wanted on my work that I create simply because I put my ego aside and decided I need to learn marketing and business for a few years. That's so, I love that. I like, I love hearing that because that's the thing is like, you, you can't have too much one or the other. You have to have that art, that art side is important. And yes. we're seeing a lot more of that now. Mm. And that's going to become more evident in people because that got kind of pushed aside for so long. Oh, you're artsy. Well, you're not going to make right. any money, but, right. but then there's like the business person, the, and, and that's where the, it ties in with spirituality and, and, and growth mm. as well and vulnerability all that stuff, you need to have the perfect balance. Yes, right? exactly. And I, and I think people in general, we're in a t an exciting time, like very excited for my lifetime to be so young because I do see consciousness rising in society. It seems like even just what we were touching on earlier about like people being allowed to be more vulnerable at work and in the professional world or people just working on something they're passionate about. It, it's, yeah. it's more than just a job. It's their life. Like it's really cool because I actually feel as though we've been living and operating in a facade for quite a long time in our parents' generation and their parents' generation. It's all about, it's been keeping up with the Joneses, the yeah. American dream. It's all that cliche stuff. Check off this box, this box, and this box, and you're a healthy, normal, acceptable American citizen. I feel our, our generation is kind of the first to call bullshit on that. You know, we're really waking up to like, Hey, like we're sick, we're unhappy, we're fat, we're, there's so many, um, diagnoses today with the children and ADD yeah. and all it's not ADD. It's that we don't have an environment where people can thrive as humans anymore. Yeah. So I'm really excited for how this, uh, awakening, so to what you could call it is seeping into the business world because yeah. it's really starting to, allow us to encourage and reward conscious and emotionally intelligent leaders rather than just rewarding almost like narcissistic and sociopathic behavior in the uh, business world, which has been rewarded and gotten away with for a very long time. Yeah, it's such a good point. 
what are some of the things like the, some of the tactics that you use to kind of help your mindset? Because it's so easy to have imposter syndrome. It's so easy to get depressed. It's like you turn on the news and you get all, there's all this fear bullshit everywhere. It's like, how do you stay, how do you stay primed up? Like, how do you stay, or what did you do on a daily basis that you, you helped you get through and that you continue to, because it is a daily practice. Yeah, no, thank you for asking me that because this has been a huge um, spiritual growth for me is getting over my victim mentality. I've struggled a lot in my life. Here is me being vulnerable again, but I have. I used to struggle so much with taking responsibility for things. I mean, I was constantly positioning myself as a victim, making excuses for why I couldn't. It's a lot of, it was a lot of learned helplessness. Um, and you cannot operate as a businesswoman with that, with that mentality. And it, it actually, I'm really grateful for business because it actually ended up really being my business partners who forced me to own that in myself. They were like, you know, you're very reactive. You're not taking responsibility for things, even, you know, minute things. It was like, I felt attacked. I never wanted to be wrong. And that's what I was touching on earlier when I started mm-hmm. to realize through my time in business, like, you know, I've got some problems. Like I've got some, like, I'm like a toxic person too. Like I need to work <laughs> on this. Um, so hardest thing ever. Like it really is like, if you're someone out there who's like kind of stuck in that self-sabotage victim place, I mean, it really is hard to break out of. I will say what helped me a lot is I went and did plant medicine. Mm. Um, I know that's a really like, weird yes. and alternative. Oh, I'm excited. I'm so excited yeah. you brought this up. It's an alternative thing to say. Um, I like had knew about plant medicines kind of like I had da- like I had like done mushrooms as like a teen, but it was yeah. never like in a respect, respectable, like medical sense. It was like, we're partying, you know? Yeah. So I didn't really know a lot about like, no, these drugs can really help people. These drugs, mm-hmm. these drugs cure addictions, these, you know, drugs, plants, whatever you want to call them. So I went, when I was kind of at rock bottom with my victim mentality, feeling like, okay, it was like, I finally owned it. Like, okay, I'm being a victim. I'm, I'm being childish, but like, I couldn't help it. Like I still had the impulses to, to react that way. So I was like, how do I fix yeah. it? And I was at my wits end. So I went and did ayahuasca, which is literally like ayahuasca is like the most powerful plant medicine. Like it's, it's just, yeah. it's, it's insane. Um, so I will say, you know, I, I won't get so into like my specific experience with it, but it was a turning point for me for sure. And there's all these di- li- different little healing modalities that led up to that point. But for me, because plant medicines have a way of catapulting you there and like skipping through all the bullshit and almost like fast forwarding your healing, because it, it basically just hits you with a dose of consciousness that most humans in 2019 cannot get to in a sober state. You can get to it, but the plant medicines is basically just an agent to get you there quicker. For me, I was able to remember a lot of my childhood that I had repressed and ultimately start to understand why I felt like such a victim and why I was operating from this place. Because I felt like before I didn't really have answers to work with. It was like, I knew I was messed up, but I couldn't really, I still at that time wasn't locating the origin of it plant medicine helped show me who I really am and the origin of it. And this is like, I'm telling, this is like a one weekend thing. Like one weekend I did this. I called my therapist from back home in Milwaukee. I called him after years, years of talk therapy. And I just, I gave him the business, man. I was like, dude, I learned more about myself and my trauma and why I'm messed up in a one weekend ayahuasca ceremony than I ever did years of sitting on your couch. Wow. He's like, well, damn. And I was like, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like things are changing. (laughs) People are waking up. But for me, I will say the plant medicine, it showed me a new perspective. I started to get my shit together. I started to call myself out on my victim mentality. And now you know what it really is? It's the stories that we tell ourselves. So I realized once I broke the pattern, I realized every time I'd get in that victim state, I was telling myself a story that wasn't objectively true. It was just how I felt so that I could remain a victim. It was like, oh, well, um, because I'm a woman in business, I'm, I'm discriminated against and he's threatening, you know, not that that can't really happen, but I'm just saying like, it was like, I would blow things out of proportion and make things up. Like he, before he even had an opinion about me, I told myself, well, he's not going to like me because I'm a woman. And then I walk into the room with that energy and I put that out there and I inevitably end up being victimized again, but it was actually me who manifested it. 
because of the stories I'm telling myself. Now when I go in a room, I say, you know what? It's 2019. Men in the business world are just as equal to women. Men, most of my following is men. Men respect me and my craft and my industry. I'm going to walk in this meeting and I'm going to be fine. And, and there's nothing to um, be victimized about or anything to be afraid of because I get treated just as fairly as men in business. And that is a new story I tell myself. So that's just one example of changing your perspective of what is actually real. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad that you went there with that. Cause like, I wasn't, ex- I wasn't <laughs> expecting, was I wasn't was expecting a- that. And I was like, well, yes, because I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I, I find it fascinating because so many people have said that, that the clarity that they've got, that the, it helps clear those stories, these things that we keep telling ourselves. And I'm the same way. And now the more I hear it from people like yourself, like I, I, it's like I'm getting the knock, like, okay, it's your yeah. time. Like I keep oh, getting wait, it. the knock to go but do the knock to, to, to do it. Yeah. Oh, like, you're going to do it. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, like, every, everyone should do it. Honestly. I mean, I'm not like, I, I agree that people should do it in their own time and when they're ready, but it's kind of like one of those things where you realize once you've experienced it, like, holy crap, if everyone did this, we'd be so much, we'd be yeah. in a way better position. Like it's big pharma would be out of business. It gets tied into like, that's the problem is that plant medicine gets tied into this drug street party yeah. thing, which is no. different. They're completely different. It's completely different. Yeah. And, and the more I hear like I follow Ar- Aubrey Marcus quite a bit and like follow his stuff. Amazing. He talks about ayahuasca. There's, there's so much stuff with plant medicine that I, I could go down that rabbit hole. It, it fascinates me. It is a rabbit hole. It yeah. is. And, and then, and a lot of the shamans and the people I've worked and they've been doing it for years. They're doing yeah. it for decades. I mean, they really understand and treat it as a medicine. I mean, that is the way that they talk about it. They don't say drug. They don't say they, it's a medicine. And these people yeah. have the utmost respect yeah for it it's exactly what you said lance you know it's not something you do and go to a rave and you go party this is a this is a um healing modality that is truly of god's will i mean it's from the earth it's what our ancestors had access to before all of this (laughs) that we so you were able to come back and so what are some of the stuff do you meditate now like do you do yeah. Like what are some of the stuff that you're like, oh, wow, okay, this is, needs to be enforced every day? Yeah, like, yeah great, some, some great non, question. Some non-negotiables I, for you? Uh, um, that's a great question. For food, yes. I would say like I definitely cleaned up my diet a few years back and kept it clean. Um, you know, I actually, I, so I do meditate and I do breathing exercises and that comes from, I don't know if you know this, I talk about it on LinkedIn sometimes, but I used to have very chronic asthma. And uh, when I started to heal my asthma a few years ago, that was actually like the start of, I didn't realize it at the time. I thought I was just healing my physical ailments, but that was actually the start of me slowly chipping away at, at ultimately everything that was wrong with me mentally and physically. But I had asthma for many years, very severe. I mean, it was horrible. I'd say the closest I ever got to suicide in my life was during a time where I had very bad asthma and I just could not breathe. And it was just, um, I was so defeated. I felt like, is this going to be my life? Every Western doctor I I saw said, yeah, like, you know, there's no cure. You're just going to have to, I had two inhalers. I did every day. I was put on steroids regularly. I got bronchitis like once a quarter. Like I was just a wreck. And funny enough, I decided to go to a natural path. I went an alternative route. I kind of gave up on Western medicine. I said, there's got to be a way to cure my asthma. I just knew it was out there. I knew. I said, I'm not going to go my whole life not breathing. Like, what is this? And I met an Indian doctor. She she practiced Ayurvedic medicine, which is an old ancient Indian uh, respected uh, healing. And she prescribed me breathing exercises. Hmm. So that changed my life. I didn't, I never had a doctor for my asthma say, nope, you know, screw all the drugs. This is what you're going to do. You're going to wake up every morning. She also had me waking up much earlier at that time in my life. I was waking up with the sun. I was doing a sun salutation yoga routine she gave me, but then also a uh, four, seven, eight count breathing exercise where you inhale for four seconds, hold it for seven and exhale for eight. And that was ultimately what I did every day that cured my asthma. I started doing wow. it every, yep. I started doing it every morning. The, after the day I met this woman, I did it every day. And within two weeks of doing it every day, I didn't use my inhaler and I haven't used it since that was June 6th 
2017. I've never used an inhaler again. Wow. Yeah. It's just from breathing. It is meditation. It's the same thing. It's just from breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Meditation's changed my life. I don't know how many times I've had this talk about meditation with people. So do you do it every day? I I, I do. I do. In the morning? Yeah. I do it half an hour. Good for you. I've really got into yoga lately a lot too, which used to be something that was completely foreign to me. Yeah. And just moving the body, having the moving the body, exactly. understanding that the body is a tool and we can, we can fine tune it, you know, like, you know, you can play, you can lift weights, you can, you know, go play sports, but it's also good to kind of slow down and feel your body and breathe through these yes. exercises and stretch. Like we're, we're a magnificent creature. I know. And we get stuck in this, this world of just sitting and complaining and not moving and sitting, yeah. you know what I mean? Or even we get stuck on our phones. It's so and nice. The, and then the food is bad. The food is, oh man, the food <laughs> is bad. But that's the thing is like having the breath work, people don't realize how important breathing is and so moving much. your body and being in tune It should with really it. be the first thing we teach first graders is breathing yeah. exercises. You know, it's so silly that we have all these dumb requirements in the school system. We're not we're not preparing people at all. No. I mean, it's like, we're all like traumatized. We get thrown into this school system and it's like, no one's recognizing the trauma. No one's healing. I mean, these kids have ADD. They're not playing outside. They're cutting art. They're not like, we need to teach yeah. children at a very young age, how to regulate their own emotions. Yeah. Because the sooner we do that, the sooner we basically set up the next generation to actually be able to connect on a human level. I feel as though there's so much human disconnect. Like we're not, um, I mean, we pretend we are, and it's kind of like a surfacey game. Like, Oh yeah, we're, we love each other, but nobody actually really cares about one another. And there's like a huge lack of empathy going on. And, and I think it really just comes down to babies raising babies. Like a lot of people just, they were not raised by healthy people. And then before they didn't heal their own childhood wounds before they had kids and the cycle just repeats itself. But I love what you said about teaching people this because I completely agree. I would love to see like in our lifetime that become like first grade, yeah. first grade, you learn how to meditate. Yeah. It's, it, it would be a game changer. Like, and I honestly think like, I'm not a parent and I like parents, I have yeah, so much respect either. for them, but like it yeah. honestly come down to I'm it. Not. It's like, it's got to be example. If you're, if you're on your phone all the time and you're not reading books and you're not exercising, you're not breathing, you're not showing the kids this, how can you expect the kid to do it? It's monkey see monkey do, right? Right. Like right. you have to, as, as a parent, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for parents cause like, I really don't know shit about parenting, but I'm just mm. saying like from, yeah. from an example point of view, if right. somebody's, if somebody's raising you and they're doing something, well, what do you think the kid's going to do? And right. the teacher should be the same. Right. And, and, you know, and I, and I do respect parents. I get it that like, it's the hardest job in the world. It comes with no manual and this and that. However, there is absolutely an epidemic of narcissism going on. I mean, it's, it's the uns, it's the silent killer of today's society. Like cancer, everyone knows that cancer is an epidemic. It's like, everyone gets cancer. Everyone's knowing by now, like, okay, cancer is a big issue in our culture narcissism is the same is it is cancer it's just people don't talk about it people don't see it and it's so subtly acceptable that it's almost praised it's almost normal and it's really sick like these these parents who live through their children and um you know they, they themselves of course were never truly loved by their parents they were made to be you know narcissistically abused and essentially taught that love is conditional and you're only going to get the love from me when you are the kid i want you to be You know, that's not how raising children is supposed to be at all, but it's typically what it is. People have a kid, they have a preconceived notion of what this kid is going to be like for them. They have some unresolved childhood wounds, some unresolved insecurities, and they didn't fix it before they decided to go have their own kids. So now they're raising a child, projecting all of their crap onto the kid, thinking it's normal, thinking it's just totally normal because everyone's doing it. It's how they were raised. But ultimately you're setting the kid up to feel like I'm not good enough as I am. I need to work for conditional love. I need to perform up my, oh, my mom wants me to be a doctor. Okay, I guess I'll do that. Kids will do anything for their parents' love. So mm-hmm. what we really need to do is teach parents and anyone interested in you know, helping children how to recognize their own narcissism. I mean, that's really the problem. The answer is not in like the kids, it's in the parents. We yeah. need to start 
taking it seriously. Like, well, why am I motivated for my kid to get into this college though? Is it really the best thing for this kid? Or do I just feel like I want to look good to my friends, you know, and starting to call each other out on this narcissistic parenting, because all we're doing is raising generation after generation of people who feel unloved, unworthy, and not good enough. And ultimately go on to wreak havoc in the world either by becoming insecure and codependent themselves or they say screw it no one ever really gave a fuck about me so i'm not going to care about anyone now i'm a narcissist oh and guess who's killing it in the business world this narcissist (laughs) i mean it's easy to do in many ways our society is set up where it's a lot easier to repeat the cycles of trauma and repeat uh life as a toxic person than it is to heal we make it easier to just repeat the cycle than we make it uh available all of these healing modalities and all this information but that's why i say it's changing because we are waking up i think more and more people are aware okay there's something seriously wrong here and it's not just physical it's our mental health it's the things that we value the things we believe in yeah it's crazy i think a lot of parents you're you're the kid is a product of what your parent wants them to do it's like if your parent didn't do something or they want to do something they're going to they're going to tell you to do that. Right. I mean, mm, yeah. And, or they, and, and they, and they think it's, and a lot of them really, really think it's best. Yeah. That's the thing. You can't, because it's coming from them. They think mm, that for them, that would be good. Exactly. Exactly. It's really hard to, I think it's really hard for a lot of parents to be conscious of their own subconscious programming, how that works, like to really be aware, really be aware of, you know, um, why am I doing this? And what is my motivation here? And, and, and that's the thing, you know, it's, it's almost impossible if you were not loved yourself by your parents, it's almost impossible. I mean, if your parents really didn't love you and you kind of got handed that toxic programming, I mean, man, it takes a heavy dose of self-awareness to face that because the reality is children and even as you grow up into adulthood you would basically rather believe that you're innately flawed and unlovable than admit that your parents didn't actually love you Mm. and that's what we all do we say well i was a bad kid i didn't oh my mom had three jobs she just did well you know she hit me because she disciplined me you know we make excuses it's like and again i'm not trying to demonize parents we're all in this together and there's just truly not enough tools out there for people to understand but it really is in your adult life, when you're triggered, when you hate someone, you get into drama with someone, it's never about that person. It's about you and your unresolved issue with your parents that you still never dealt with. And now you're reacting to everyone in your adult life. Like they're your parents. Do you find that that's also really interesting is the having that complete ownership for your feelings and what you're doing, you know, because there's so much stuff on social media, as you see of comparisons, right? And shit triggers. Like sometimes I get pissed off. I'm like, why? Like, why is that? Like, I don't know why. Like either I want what they have. And then I'm like, well, why do, what is it? Because I feel like I'm not working hard enough. Or why is this guy? Why is this girl, this guy? And it's like, it's a really weird thing. It's a weird game. Well, that is a really evolved place to be where you are though, where you can get triggered by something and ask yourself, why am I triggered by? I mean, that alone is like, uh, that's huge. Right. So why Especially, do you, why do you think you were triggered I, by it? I don't know. There's things that I get. And as I realize the self-awareness and understanding like it's not their fault or if somebody pisses me off when I'm outside, I, I, I try, I'm like, not always. Sometimes I'll be like, fuck you in my head. Right. But mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. They didn't do anything. Again, exactly. I'm projecting a story. Yeah. I'm assuming because in the past, because I didn't, be, didn't become who I said I was going to be or whatever, they're going to think that I'm that person. And this weird stuff that comes back, and you got to ask yourself, like, why am I, why am I, what is this person saying that's, and it, it all comes down to like yourself. It's yeah. like you're in control of your emotions. Yeah. Right? Like you're in control of how you react. You can't yeah. control what people say or do, but you can control how you react and right. why you're thinking these things. Right? Exactly. And that comes down exactly. to programming too, like diet. Like if I was to eat McDonald's mm-hmm. and go out in the world and, and, and somebody says something, I'm going to get pissed off really fast. I'm going to get oh, real sensitive about stuff. That is important too. Some, but you get up, if you program your day, you meditate, you eat well, you're doing things, things are just like flowing. You're like, oh, well, it's no big deal. 
You're right, the same right. person could say the same thing and it's not going to bother you as much. Exactly. It's- exactly. And, and you, I love what you said about the diet too. Like that's a huge issue in our culture is honoring ourselves and honoring our bodies and treating them with respect. You know, it's, it's, it's very telling that we've arrived at this place in 2019 where so much of the, uh, you know, signed off goods that, you know, go in your grocery cart and end up in your house are, are not labeled as toxic, but they are that we've like allowed them in so much that alone right there is a sign of how on a mass level, we have very little self-love and self-respect. We don't respect ourselves. That's why we uh, treat ourselves (laughs) the way we do. And food, I mean, food is just one piece of the puzzle, but it is amazing. Like you could do nothing mentally. You could like not meditate and not, if this is all woo woo to you and you're like, no, 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 I'm science and blah, blah, blah. Fine. Do nothing but change your diet and you will notice a difference in your mood, your reactivity, your skin, your, I wake up easier when I eat good. You know, uh, it's like your digestion, everything. It's just so, it's so improved. And that's why I say what I said about the asthma. I was like, I didn't even mention this, but she also had put me on an elimination diet when I was doing the breathing exercises. But I was really there for physical problems at that time in my life. But what happened was I noticed once I started to heal my physical self, then I got into the mental health stuff. Cause then it was like, my body was like, I was legit. Like I was like, I was in such good shape. I had I, oh God, I think it was like a hundred days. I went with no corn, gluten, soy, dairy, sugar. Yeah. She put me on some crazy diet. So I was just cleansed. Like my skin was glowing. I was, I was all about it. And I was a lot better, but I will say it was like, I still had the depression and I still had all the stuff. So that's when I really started to go inward in my mind. I was like, okay, I fixed my body. Now what's going on here? You know, like what, yeah. why, why am I still unhappy? So, but diet, yeah, it's a huge piece of the puzzle. But do you also notice that as you start to go down that, that, that road of healing, you peel back one layer, it starts to get, like you start to realize that there's more layers. And as you start to like your vibrations rise, sometimes it becomes lonely and it almost becomes like, Oh wow, this is, I'm really opened up a can, a can yeah. of worms here. Cause you're really finding out about yourself. You're yeah. peeling back all that shit that you've been like, that's been like in our way. And then you realize yeah. like, wow, there's, that's only one layer. Like, wow. And you realize what you can become. And yeah. it's a, it's so it's a work. Like we're never going to be up here of consciousness and enlightened. It's going to take right. like, like even like the biggest, like the Buddhas and the monks and all that, that meditate every day they're at a certain level of consciousness, but we're always just lit at our stage of our lives, like just peeling back certain layers. You start to realize that. Wow. And especially the people that you've been around your whole life, it starts to become a bit of a weird conversation. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, I definitely had to outgrow a lot of people. I don't have any friends that I used to have. Like, I, I mean, I have like one friend that I'm still friends with. We were friends when we were like, since we were like 12, I'd say that's like it. I mean, it really is. I love what you said about like the layers, like the onion analogy. Yeah. Because what I find and what I touched on earlier when I said we don't really have an environment and a culture that supports healing, healing is very hard to do. We don't make it easy for people to access their wounds. And instead we provide them with like a buffet of distractions, right? Buy this, you know, smoke this, do all this. So when people... A lot of times I find when they do go down that path, they start to uncover the layers. It's painful and they'll close it right back up. Like it's like they'll kind of go there and they're opening the one layer, but the even just layer one is so painful facing their shit and there's not a huge support system around. So they'll, it's like, you'll see that a lot where people resist healing. People will go to yoga for a month, do the meditation and then they're kind of, you'd see them and you're like, oh, they're doing it great. And then all of a sudden they sabotage themselves. It's like, what happened? What happened? Yeah. I mean, they don't, it's like, it's painful to face that shit and that's why it's so important that you find other people who are willing to do it with you who've also been through trauma who are healing support groups i mean it is crucial who you hang out with and i and i do think it can be lonely but at the end of the day it's the greatest reward is yourself you know you can never be lonely ever when you truly are in yourself and who you really are i got goosebumps when you were talking about that because 
It's so true, the self-sabotage. And I've done it. I've done it. I've done it so many times. Like I used oh to have gosh, a bad drinking too. problem, a bad oh, drinking really? problem. Oh, really? Oh, let's talk about that. Oh, we, we, oh, <laughs> you, like I got, I, I. When did you quit or did you quit well, like I, altogether? Or I, 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 was, I was running, I was running bars and nightclubs for like years. Oh, my dude. 20s. I'm 36 now. So I was all through my you 20s. You look young. Thanks. What? Thanks a lot. Thanks look a lot. Great. Lots of fasting. <laughs> good. Yeah, good, good. I, <clears throat> but that was the one thing that always was my thing that would, when things were going good, my body knew it was time to have that drink and, and just sabotage whatever I was doing, you know? And <clears throat> sorry, I just got this, I quit in 2017, started drinking again, in 2018. And I recently had my first drink for my birthday after nine months, which okay. I'm a little bit upset about, but well, not at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the thing is like, I had a big issue and oh fuck, lots of shit that I don't want to, you know, get yeah. into all. No, I get it. I've, we we I've can, but that'll, that'll, that'll take us years to go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but it's, it's, it's been a process and the self-sabotage, it happens all the time. You get on a roll and then it's almost like you see like what's possible and what's going to happen when you get there. And you're like, oh fuck. That means that I have to, like, even if you get to the level of, like, say you do well in business, then that puts you to a level of, ooh, everybody's going to know me or everybody's going to Right, gonna, right. Like, responsibility. What's, yeah. And the responsibility is what kind of is like, ooh, well, if, the way it is right now, I don't have to worry about that. Exactly. But people are like fucking exactly. not even thinking about it. Like, let's, let's, let's. People are afraid of their own power. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's that crazy. is beautiful. Yeah. I think that's really what it is. And, and I see that in myself so much. You know, I used to have this reoccurring dream for years of a lion where I was always, I found myself in this dream with this lion where it was like, he would just show up in the room next to me and I'd be in this setting, whatever, wherever. And all of a sudden the lion would show up and it always terrified me. And it was always so scary. And I'd always, you know, run from it. It was never really like the lion was chasing me, but I was always so scared of it. Like I was, I was more scared of it than I knew it was likely to attack me. And it was like, for years I had this dream. I was always dreamt about this lion. I'd be so scared. I'd be so scared. And then it was like one day I had the dream and I wasn't scared anymore. Wow. I was like in it where I was like, oh, okay. The lion's here now. Like, okay. Like the lion's here and I'm here. And I just sat next to it. I think I even like pet it and it was chill and I had no fear. And then I never like saw him in my dreams again. And I thought that was so weird. Like, what, what was that? Like, why was that? Wow. And I realized years later, I mean, I don't know if this is true. It's just my own <laughs> interpretation, but it's like, I feel like that was me afraid of my own power. Yeah. And then I, I finally over time was like, okay, I can sit with this power and like, I'm not afraid of it anymore. And then it just went away. That I, oh, I com completely relate. And I think a lot of us go through that. But, yeah. but, but we don't realize it. We don't yeah. even realize it. And so self-awareness comes from the layers of peeling back. People don't mm -hmm. know what's going on half the time. Mm -hmm. They're like, what? You're like, you talk about like, say you had this conversation to one person. They'd be like, huh? What are you talking yeah. about? I'm going to go Very much. on TV right now. You're like, exactly. Oh. Very much. People are afraid. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's going to be a lonely road always when you're going to do something that's new and not mainstream. I mean, you, you definitely, uh, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs and risk takers in general can relate to that, but like the, the fear of not being liked is a big one for, mo for many people. And I think that in order to really grow your business, your life, even you know, in your own personal journey, in order to really grow you know, you have to get over that. You have yeah. to understand that people aren't going to like you. People are going to think you're weird. People yeah. are going to unfollow you because you mentioned that you support plant medicines. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, you, you just, you can't say anything of value without offending someone. That's a Jordan Peterson quote, but I always say it. Yeah. You can't like, we'll go around worrying about being liked and being and fitting in. Truthfully, the reason we're all in this problem is because we're all trying to fit in. Yeah. And we're not revealing our true selves because we're afraid we won't fit in. But the reality is, is everyone is feeling it. Everyone's kind of operating from a false self, trying to fit in, trying to keep up with the Joneses. The people who do go off the beaten path and really find themselves and do the work of healing, it is harder and it is lonely. And um, it's just not as readily available as like the option to 
become a nightlife person and go to the bar every night and post about it on social media. I mean, that's just normal. Yeah. That's just an acceptable way to live. How do you, are you okay for time by the way? Or, or, sure. I can go if you, I, are, I can are you sure? Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I'm watching the clock. I'm like, wait a minute. I want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. I just, I haven't even, we went to an area that I'm so happy we went to that I wasn't even expecting. And then, <laughs> I love it. Good. Yeah. So how do you deal with the haters though? How do you deal? You must have a few now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the shit talkers and the naysayers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it just gets easier, man. Like I, you know, I think that I was really fortunate to grow up in a house where I, I didn't have support from my siblings or my parents in a lot of ways, because like, it just taught me to like, I was just, I was just used to haters from the very beginning. I mean, I, it's, it's crazy that I even decided to pursue music as much as I was bullied by my sisters. I mean, like they literally always told me I could never sing. You're tone deaf. You're the worst singer in the world. I remember they like record, they caught me singing. They like recorded it. I was a kid, so I sucked. And then they like showed the whole family. They like put it on blast. Like it, like, it was like they were doing everything they could to crush my dreams. And I still ended up doing it anyways. I still ended up following my dreams anyways. And then I got hated on even more when I became a musician because I was a rapper and I, you know, I was just, I didn't have quality stuff. I was just doing it all myself. I, there was a Reddit page made about me back then that I was a man in drag and oh, yeah, like so much funny. Like, so, but honestly, like it was such a blessing that I went through that. I got rejected a ton. I got kicked off American Idol. I got rejected from auditions. I had a woman tell me to go back to art school go because I was a painter originally. She said, go back to art school. You'll never be a singer. It was like, Wow. I just got so used to that rejection that by the time I got on LinkedIn and doing it, I mean, and that's why I feel like people don't see in me, like realize entertainment. Yes. This background and criticism, getting rejected, putting myself out there, getting on the stage. I'd done all of that. Like I'd done all of that. It's really just the marketing and the business stuff that was new to me. I've been doing all of that and facing mm -hmm. rejection my whole life. So when I get haters, I honestly, they're hilarious. I, I probably laugh at the trolls on my posts more than anyone. I think they're funny. I just try to look at it like objectively, like, okay. Um, or I'll even, you know, try to look at it from like, is what they're saying true at all? Like if someone's hating on me and criticizing me, I'm not just it's so quick to go like, ah, hater. It's like, no, like, could there actually be some like ounce of constructive criticism in this comment, Shay? Maybe, you know, like someone, what did someone say about me the other day? Um, caustic put downs. They said, if you're into caustic put downs, follow Shea Robot. And I was like, what is caustic? that? What is caustic? It means mean? like sarcastically, like subtly, like putting people down. Um, and I had to look at my own content. Like, do I, I mean, right. maybe I do. If you I'm have fun, you're just, you're having, I may, that's the thing. I make a lot of jokes, but it, it but it's just like that, for example, like oh, recognize when it's like really unconstructive. It's just someone trying to get a rise out of you and hating and recognize where it could actually be someone calling you out on your bullshit. And are you yeah. big enough to take that angle as well? You know? So I always, yeah, that's a good point because yeah. it's, I, I think it is. I think, I think our culture can get, we can get really caught up in the whole, like, if you're an, if you're not on my support team, you know, I cut you yeah, off. Offended. No, Everybody gets no offended. Yeah. No tolerance for this. No tolerance for that. It's like, I, yeah. I think there's kind of a flaw in thinking where it's like, it's too, it's too snowflakey. It's like, yeah, I get yeah. it. Like don't allow cancer into your life. However, not everyone who's a quote unquote hater, um, is wrong. You know, right. not everyone is just a toxic, unproductive person. Maybe what they're saying is coming from a place of truth mm -hmm. and just be real with yourself. So I just look at it objectively, you know, obviously the vast majority of comments and feedback are people that love me and support me. So it's, it's yeah. easy when you feel like the people you inspire far outweigh the people you offend. It's usually a representation again of them, their own insecurities. The reason they're getting mad at you exactly. is, and then you got to ask like, what's going on in their lives? We don't know the full story. You almost feel sorry for them because some of the comments like God on YouTube on some people's like Joe Rogan even says, he's like, he can't read the YouTube comments because it's just like the darkest, yeah. the darkest of the dark. And so, oh, like, yeah. And, uh, like, and that's, and that's some people are like, well, where are you coming from with this? Like, what is going on? Like, it's almost like it's not right. even offensive to you. I haven't got to that level of hate. Like, but I'm, I'm sure with your amount of videos and everything, like, 
you must, yeah. and it's going to continue to just. Oh flow. yeah. It's funny. I actually just, I have a new job for my admin. One of my admins, I said, start screenshotting all the negative comments. She's like, what? I'm like, just start saving all of them. I want to make a video where I read them. <laughs> that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's, you got to be able to. Kind of like Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. Or somebody did that. That's great. You just, Great you got to be able to laugh at yourself. You got to be able to not take yourself too seriously. Um, I know that I put myself out there all the time and I'm going to make mistakes. I know that I'll maybe even release a video this month that five years from now, I'll look back and say, I don't believe that at all anymore. Mm. You know, it's just, I don't agree with this culture we've created where like when a celebrity stands for something at one point in time, they can like never go back. It's oh, like, yeah. we don't let people change. We hold people yeah. like, it's so stupid. Oh, Kevin Hart had a tweet from 12 years ago where he said something sexist or it's like, who cares? Yeah. It was 12 years ago. Like we don't let people evolve. And that's what I try and focus on. It's like whenever I'm getting super like perfectionist about my content and like, oh, but am I going to like regret saying this later? And this is, it's just like, Shay, like you're going to grow, like you're going to evolve. I'm sure Joe Rogan said things by now that he's like, no, actually I've changed since then. Yeah. So not taking yourself too seriously, being just loving and forgiving with yourself. And I, and I loved what you said about, yeah, understanding that a lot of these haters, it's just their projections coming mm. out in, in reality. All right. Where, first of all, just a couple more questions here. Okay. I, what, okay. <clears throat> the question that you get asked all the time, what makes a good video? Like, what would you say top three things from a shitty video to a good video? I know it's probably more, but like, yes. Anything emotion, you know, like yeah. I said, humans do business with humans. I feel like that's why I've taken off on LinkedIn is just because I'm very much myself in my videos. I show up. Um, but as far as like formatting for social media, you know, you got to have a headline. You got to keep it short, especially starting out if you want to um, gain the attention of new viewers. And you want to make sure that you actually have a tangible takeaway. So like know your intention going into videos. Like what is the point of this? Is this to give a free tip about marketing? Um, is this to share a story about how we should love ourselves more? Like what's the end goal here? And then that will also tie into your CTA, your call to action at the end. So anything you can do to encourage people to comment and engage with the piece of content. So saying something like, you know, let's say you did a video um, about workplace delegation and how you struggle with it. A healthy CTA would be do you struggle with workplace delegation? How do you get through it? Comment below. And that way you're um, basically just encouraging more people to engage. And um, yeah, so have a headline, talk about things that will be valuable to the user. Always put your, yourself in the user's shoes. Like do yeah. you as a user on social media, would you stop scrolling at this? So yeah. don't expect someone to, you wouldn't. Yeah. And I, I, I went back and saw something you posted a while back. Cause something about it was really just keeping things a lot more simple. Like what do you do? Like, I think it was, you were talking about what to the say. The LinkedIn descriptions. Yeah. Something I have about, X accomplished Y. Yes. Can, that was yes, awesome. It's yes. like the simplest things are always the best. No one does it. It's crazy. I, I swear 90% of LinkedIn would be improved if people just did that. Amazing. I swear it's I help X, X being your target market. Yeah. accomplish why, why being the solution that you offer using yeah. Z and then using Z is kind of optional. You can get into it, like using video as a tool, yeah. using, you know, kind of explaining, but I mean, you'd be surprised how many people don't do that. And when their target market lands on their page, it's like they lost them because they didn't actually effectively communicate. I'm going to solve your problem. I'm yeah. valuable for you here. So just say what you do, <laughs> just yeah. say it. No one cares about your MBA or whatever the hell college you went to. Just, just yeah. say it, just say what you solve. That's so, that's so good. And, and that's the thing is sometimes you just need the simple instructions to do people overcomplicate it and uh, mm, it yeah, doesn't need to be right. Right. Yeah. Where's the best place we can all find you? Yeah. Well, definitely follow me on LinkedIn. So it's linkedin.com slash in slash Shay Robottom. And I have a big sun emoji in my name, so you can't miss it. Um, all of my original video content goes out on my LinkedIn first before any other social media platform. So be sure to follow me there. But if you'd like, you can also find me on all platforms slash Shay Robottom. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, and then if you'd like to learn more about my business and what I do for founders and executives on LinkedIn in teaching them to create a consistent video content, 
to attract their target market and get consistent leads off LinkedIn. You can learn more about that at my website, shayrobottom.com. And there's a form there to fill out to set up a call. So Amazing. Yeah. I urge anybody who, I, I, even myself, I was actually looking at your stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, check man, it out. I, 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 something that I want to do my own business is up my video game. And I think a lot oh, of people yeah. need to. And especially right now, it's like, you're already doing podcasts. So this is content right now. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's kind of about taking it and and making it interesting because you're right. Like nobody wants to see the boring shit. They want to stop on what's interesting. And it's like, and I just, I love your videos are great. And I I really appreciate the content you put out there. It's, it's really engaging. It's interesting. Thank you. Yeah, no. And you know, I'm not just saying that I actually really like it. I watch and I'm like, this this is funny. This is awesome. Like this is, you. you know, so yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's, been, um, it's been really great. All of the feedback from the platform. I'm, I'm always um, happy when people say like, oh, you've transformed the way that our business uses LinkedIn and the way we look at LinkedIn. So that's so awesome. That's so awesome. I urge everybody to check you out. Um, one last question. It's, it's it ties in adversity. It's the one question I always ask out of all the adversity you've been through, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? human beings can get through anything. I mean, it really is true. I, I, we don't realize how strong we are. Human beings can literally get through anything. And when you're in a rough place, going through a rough time, you know, your husband left you, your partner cheated, your business partner screwed you over, you're you know, getting sued, whatever the case may be, I always want you to come back to that and remember that human beings can literally get through anything. And there's a million stories out there of people rising above through adversity and, and making it happen despite all the odds. So you got awesome. it. Gold. Thank you so much. I always leave the easy question for the end. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Lance. This is awesome. <laughs> My pleasure. All right, everybody. Check out Shay, Shay Rowbottom. You pronounce it right? Rowbottom. No, Rowbottom. Rowbottom. Okay. Rowbottom. Yeah. My, my mistake. That's okay. Jay Rollbottom, everybody. <laughs> Make sure you check her out. I really appreciate it. And I, this was an amazing conversation. Again, thank you. Yes, thank you for having me, Lance. Appreciate it. All right. Boom. Hope you guys like that. I love that. That was a great conversation. Make sure to check out Shay. Go look on our LinkedIn. She's just dominating. And she will help you out. And she's somebody that I'm going to look at helping me with my video content because I definitely need to up my game in that area. But if you guys were interested, go check her out. She's got some, she's doing some amazing things with people and helping them grow. So go check out Shay. I love you guys. If you haven't subscribe, leave a review, share this with a friend, University of Adversity. Love you guys. We'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.